we're addressing this question, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? I was at a uh, Christmas party yesterday, and I was talking to people, and they remembered this class, and they started sharing their meantime moments. And one individual shared about how the first time they met the youth minister is when they saw the youth minister and her son and the son's girlfriend in 11th grade were coming to the house to tell them that she was pregnant. And it was like, that's not the first time you really want to meet the youth minister. And, she, and there was, that was their meantime moment. And the qualities that we talked about, it's a new, a new normal is created. Something has changed. You don't like it. Okay, this is not like you win the lottery. Okay, because you most would like that, although statistically they show that most do not like winning the lottery because of what it does to them. And it's not going to change anytime soon. And so what do you do when there's nothing you can do? Maybe uh, for, for some people, it's I wanted to go to college, I wanted to be like everybody else, but college is not for me. And you feel like, what am I going to do when there's nothing you can do? Okay. Um, what are some other examples of meantime moments? When you're in a situation that's just, it's just not going to change anytime soon and it's difficult. What are some other examples? Death of a loved one is huge. A parent, a spouse, a child. And it's like, wow. Uh, my son just came in from Oregon, and uh, he's, I said, well, what are you doing on Sunday? He goes, I'm going to a funeral. I said, what funeral? You know, it's a friend of his brother was driving, and this nine-year-old kid just skated right in front of the truck, hit him, killed him instantly. Then this, the, the, the guy freaked out. I mean, literally was uncontrollable in grief and what to do. And the son's father comforted the driver. And I don't know why, but I just was like, I bet he was a Christian. And my, my son goes, yeah, how did you know? I said, because that's not how the world would react. And so, but what do you do even if it's an accident? Even if it's your fault, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And the tendency when we're in this situation is to do What? When we are in a meantime moment, what is our human tendency? To pray. God, get me out of this. Alright? See, you're more spiritual than me. Me, it's just like, God, get me out of this. I can't deal with this. (laughs) So, our natural tendency for most people is to cut and run. I'm out. I'm going to lie. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to veg and watch TV for 12 hours. I'm just not going to deal with it. Or I'm going to hope the problem just goes away. Or I'm going to just leave the situation. And instead of making it better, what happens? It makes it worse, yeah. And so we've been addressing this question, what are you doing? There's nothing you can do when you're in your meantime moment. And we've been talking about, well, I can't believe I did that. All right, just the um, next to the last slide. Right down there. Next to the last, all the way down. There you go. And this is not even the apple. 
Here. Right next to it, right on the bottom, there's a little icon. There you go. So we've been looking at, the first thing we discussed was what? God is not absent, apathetic, or angry. Boy, we feel that way, but that's not true. He loves us. He's already said He loves us. Well, He only loves us when we do the right thing. No, He loves us, you know, regardless. We just don't feel it, and so we begin the healing process that God is not absent, apathetic, or angry. Then we started looking at it can be a gift with a purpose and a promise. A lot of times we don't know what the purpose is. We may not know until we get to heaven, but what's the promise? Anybody remember the promise? For my grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then we talked about don't play the blame game. You know, whose fault is it? Let me try to figure it out. Instead, ask how can I glorify God in this situation? And then last week we talked about depression. And what did we learn about depression? It's normal in a fallen world. And we all deal with it in different ways. But depression is normal in a fallen world. And so we get to the point where it's like, now, where do we go from here? God, help me to manage the situation and to be content. So open your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4. Now, who wrote the book of Philippians? Paul did. And he writes the book of Philippians where? He's in prison. As a matter of fact, it's called one of the prison epistles. Right. Here's Paul in his meantime moments. Right? He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's in prison. And who's, who's the emperor probably at this time? Probably Nero. Right? Not a very good situation to be in. And Paul is going through his meantime moment. He makes a decision while he's in prison. He decides, well, you know, I don't like my situation, but I, I need to do something. So what does Paul decide to do in prison? He just, you know, he writes a letter. You know, dear so, hey, here, Philippians, here, you know, people in Ephesus, here. And he just writes, he says, i got to do something. Now think about this for a moment. What are the odds of these letters even surviving in this day and age, right? It's not like you can save it to a disc and, you know, preserve it forever. He writes this letter. He says, i got to do something. Okay? And he writes this letter and he gets a response. Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And he, so he says, hey, he gets this little gift from, from Philippians. You know, people, a little care package, right? Maybe a cloak, a CD, or, you know, latest hits or something. But he writes a letter, and he gets something in return, like, hey, you know, we haven't forgotten about you, Paul. And here's the point that I want to make. The first point is, when you're in your meantime moment and you get to the point you're finally getting to manage it, just do something. Right? 
Don't just sit there and wallow in the meantime moment. Do something because you have no idea what you're doing and the impact it will have on other people. We think, well, I'm going through, it's not making a difference for anybody. But people are doing what? They're watching. How are you handling this situation? Your kids are watching. Right? Your spouse is watching. Other relatives. The church is watching. How are you going to handle this? The impact you're having. And these letters still impact us even today, right? And all he was doing is like, i got to do something. He didn't think, okay, when I write this, it's going to be a bestseller for the rest of history. He's just writing. He's just doing something, right? And as he's doing it, he goes, I have no idea if this is going to make it to them or not, but i got to do something. I'm just not going to just sit around. And he sends it out. So the, the fact that you are remaining faithful, that you haven't quit on God, the fact that you're still striving in the midst of the challenge. And the nice thing is Paul's not thinking God must hate me. God, he doesn't equate the adversity he's going through as if God is upset with him. He just, it's a part of life. And so he's writing this letter. And as he writes this letter, he has no idea of the impact it's having. And as you remain faithful in your difficult situation, you have no idea the impact it is having. Can anyone think of an example of someone that you're watching, and when you saw how they handled the situation, you were like, wow, that's incredible. For me, it's my brother. My brother has an autistic child. And the fact that they've still been married 30 years and have dealt with this situation where the odds are that most just quit and get a divorce and that's it. And I was like, wow. Really impressed me. Can you think of an example yourself of somebody that's going through a meantime or has been through a meantime moment and you looked at it and you go, wow. How it, how it helped you or impacted you. What's that? Mark and Vicki Stanley, when their son died, how they handled it and how they managed it. And they had no idea the impact on managing the situation would have ended up kind of as a positive impact on other people. Even though it's a tragic situation and nobody would wish on anybody. Paul says, I, wish, I don't wish anybody to be in prison. Remember one time he said, I wish you were just like me except for these... Chains, yeah. And I don't wish this on anybody, but the fact that he remained faithful in the midst of it impacted us today. We just have no idea the impact that we're having on the future by us remaining faithful. And so he writes this letter, and back in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I rejoice greatly with you. I appreciate your concern, but verse 11, it says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You're like, really? What do you think Paul means here? I've learned to be content no matter the circumstances. Yeah. Whatever these circumstances are, 
He didn't let the outside circumstances, whether good or bad, influence his confidence in God. He was content. Okay, yeah. Uh, to me, the key word here is the word of no things. I mean, we look at him as an example, but at this point, he's at a pinnacle, I would say. So, uh, I don't know that we come to contentment in whatever the circumstances without and it's something that is learned. It's not natural. It doesn't come naturally. You have to learn it. And you and don't so don't feel guilty. I just don't know the secret of contentment. I don't know how to be content. That's okay. It's something you can learn. It's possible to learn whether you know it or not. Okay, in that regard. Yes. We know where we're going. And it's nice to know that when you're standing with God, it's like one plus one equals the majority. In that way. But do you ever notice most people get their confidence from the balance of the checkbook? Yeah? Right? The outside circumstances. You know, when I have plenty, when I have a little. Paul says, I do not let my contentment be influenced or affected by having whether a lot or a little. It doesn't matter. And in life, you will find there are times you will have a lot. And when you have kids, there's times you have little. Uh, or when they're in college, or you know, you know, you you know the fluctuation, okay? But it is something that is learned. It's not something that comes naturally. How can I be content in every situation? Let's read on. Verse twelve. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I have learned the secret of contentment. Now, Paul, when he writes this, in the word, in the Greek, the word for the, the secret of contentment is really one word. And it's a word that he uses very, nobody else even uses this word, this Greek word. And he uses it as a way of saying something mystical, something magical. It's like a secret society. Very few people get to get at that point of learning the secret of contentment. And at this point I could say, thank you very much, see you next week. And you're like, no, 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 I want to know what. What is the secret of contentment? How can I learn to be content in a difficult, meantime situation? And that's kind of what he's referring to. And so he gives us the secret of contentment. In verse, verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me what? 
strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And really, you should add the, the phrase, I can do everything through him who gives me his strength. I can do everything through him who gives me his strength. So what do you think the secret of contentment is in your own words or in your own thoughts? What's that? There is a form of acceptance. We saw that when we said, okay, God tells me, no, I'm not getting out of this, so I'm going to accept that I'm going to go through it. Yeah, Tony. Accepting the idea that God's in control, no matter what that ultimately God's even can control even though right now for me I don't see that control matter of fact I'm a little frustrated because if God is God he could come in and fix this he can come in and make this he could prevent worse things from happening but I don't know if he will Paul's sitting in prison I don't know he doesn't know he's going to get out but then he's going to get back in again he has no idea. He thinks this may be it. But ultimately, God is in control. Yes? Um, seeing things uh, with God's criteria, not your own. And uh, you've read it this last week before. You know, seeing the unseen. Second Corinthians 4, you know, yeah. Early on earth, all the trials, all the predicaments that you put in. You could be put in this horrible, but in comparison to spending an uh, eternity away from God, right? Hell, and then it's Excellent point. Yes. I think Paul's mindset when he talks about that verse eight. Bishop thought the most true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Paul had the right mindset. He understood that there was a certain mindset that he needed to have. Yes. Right. Sometimes when we look back, we realize how God has been working, but it's always the looking back, right? It's And that's why in the Old Covenant, God always said, remember how I did this for you, remember how I did this for you. Don't don't quit on me because you're not sure how I'm going to work it out in the future. So, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. So, Paul is sitting there and he's thinking, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. How many have ever been to a football game? Abilene Christian University. I used to go to a football game and they would have this huge banner that the football players would run through. I can do all things through him who gives me strength, which meant what? We're going to win. And Paul's looking down and going, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm referring to. I can do all things. It's not about winning. It's about surviving a very difficult time. Okay. So, the way that I like to express it, and the way that, that in, when I was doing this lesson, I was listening to people that were talking about this lesson, it's a way of saying, it's a way when you're in a difficult situation, you know how you just kind of take a deep breath and you exhale, it's like, okay, if i got to do this, let's go. 
It's that exhaling of acceptance of, hi, let's go through this. Let's do this. I don't want to go through it, but we're going to do it. It's a contentment that I can get through this, not because of who I am, but because of what? Because of who He is. So look at it this way. It's the attitude of, I can't do this. I can't. But God, you can through me. I can't. You can through me. And it's like, okay, let's go through this. It's not a woohoo, you know, I can do it, yay, oh yeah, you know. Because a lot of times we think, and I was talking with a brother yesterday morning because he's in a bad situation, he's going through a meantime moment, and everybody's telling him, you can do this, you can rah, 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 rah. And I looked at him and said, you can't do this. He goes, thank you. I said, you can't, but God can through you. Oh. We can, but I think we have to truly be honest with the reality that I can't deal with this. I can't go through this. This medical report I just found out about, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. The death of a child, the death of a loved one. And, you know, we think religion says, oh, you can do it. I can't do this. But, God, you can through me. Look at Luke, the book of Luke. Best example I can show you. Luke chapter 22. Prelude to the Lord's Supper. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the mountain of olives and his disciples followed him and reaching the place he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but what? Thine be done. What is Jesus praying about? Hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. But not my will, but what? Thy will be done. And we think that was just a kind of a simple prayer. Alright God, if you want me to go through this, okay, I'll do it. But notice what happens. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he had rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples and found them asleep, exhausted. Why did the angel come down to encourage him? Huh? He needed it. He's one of the only ones that could pull the ripcord and said, I'm out, right? I don't have to go through this. I'm doing this by choice. I have the ability. You know, what is the song we sing? I can call what? 10,000 angels and deal with this. Now, he had that option. Most of the time when we go through the meantime moment, do we really have that option? All we have is, God, can you take this from me? And God says, no, you're going to go through it. 
So it was to encourage him because he was really going, I can't do this. I can't. This is, you know, sweat drops of blood represents what? This is, this is when you are on your knees in a fetal position going, I can't deal with this. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been on your knees in a fetal position going, God, I can't go through this. There is no way. I can't. But in the midst of that, the angel's like, God can. God can give you his strength. Let him go it through you. And at some point in that situation, our Lord stood up and went, Okay, let's do this. Right? He says, Alright. I asked God. God says, No, you're going to go through this. Every bone in my being says, I can't do this. But God, you can through me. And he just got up and went, Okay. And he went through the crucifixion for us without complaining. Which is my biggest thing. I would have told all of you, I'm doing it for you. You better remember this. Because I was a good Catholic. You know, I, I mean, you, seriously, he did it without complaining or getting angry or, you know. As a matter of fact, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I said, that's, that's impossible. And you're right. Because it was the Son of God doing it. But at some point, even our Lord knows what it feels like to be in a fetal position and say, I can't. I can't do this. But God can through me. And he gets up and he goes, okay, let's go through it. That's the secret of contentment. When you realize, I can't, God can through me. Yes, Tony. two more classes, the idea that when you...
can connect with somebody within the church who has been through what you've been through and says, I've been there, I've gone through it, I can help you get through it. That connection is so encouraging to the one who is suffering. But it's also so encouraging to one that's been through a meantime moment and has gotten out of it and says, hey, I've been there, you can get through it like I got through it. And it's like, wow, I now have a sense of purpose and a sense of community. And only the church can do that. But it takes diversity within the church. Because there are certain things I can't relate to. But there are other individuals that can. And elders and deacons and ministers cannot relate to everyone's situation. They just can't. But somebody here can as we grow. Someone here can look across the room, and these are the people that don't say anything. They just kind of look eye to eye, and, and you go, oh, you get it. You know. These got you, you got it. You know what it's like. Tell me, how did you get through it? And there's a power, a, a special power behind that. But it begins with the honesty. And the honesty is, let's stop pretending, oh, I can do all th- I can do it, I can no, I can't. I can't. And it's interesting because we live in a society now where we know everything that's going on everywhere. and We're constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else. And why can't I have a beautiful family like you have? And why can't I have the good kids like you have? And why can't I have a wife that doesn't nag me like you have a wife? Why can't I? You know, and you're going on and on and on. And you begin to realize, I can do all things. I can't. God can through me. And that's what our Lord went through. He got, he knows it. All right, God, do this through me. And God did it, right? But it took a willing heart and a spirit to say, work through me in dealing with this situation to be loving and kind, even though I want to just cut and run. Work through me, even though I want to remain here in this closet, this fetal position, because I can't go through this anymore. Work through me. I can't, you can through me. Does that make sense? So anyone else had some thoughts? Yes. it's important to realize as long as we live in this world we are going to suffer we are so at least let's suffer for doing the right thing because that's the one of the keys to happiness one of the keys to happiness is i'm going to suffer anyway i might as well suffer for doing the right thing rather than just the wrong thing because there's no joy in suffering for the wrong thing but there is a contentment for suffering for the right thing but that suffering begins with being honest and that honesty is, God, I don't want to go through this divorce. God, I don't want to raise these kids. God, I don't want to be alone. God, I don't want to have to deal with a job I hate. God, I just, can I just be honest here? I can't do this. But 
God, you can through me. (sighs) Okay, let's go. Let's do it. You say, that's a mystery. That's hard to understand. That's why it's a secret, right? That's why it's a secret. But we see people do it around us all the time. Those who remain faithful in spite of adversity, it just says, no, it's not easy. I don't wish this on anybody here, but I'm grateful that I'm not doing it alone, that God is with me. He's ultimately in control, even though I don't know the little circumstances going on. And it's like, wow. And we just, step one, step two. And what happens if we fall down? What happens if we make a mistake? We lose our temper. God, I'm sorry. Step one, I can't, you can through me. Step one, step two. It's His strength in me. And that's what He talks about. And the other thoughts or comments. How would this help you in your situation? How would going through the wisdom of this, the secret of this, help you in your situation? I like that. It's a relief. Why is it a relief? I don't have to have the strength myself. I can be honest. I mean, isn't that what the world is looking for, honesty? The world looks at us and says, oh, you guys can handle anything. You're so strong. You can, you can deal with it. That's why I can't become like you guys. I, I know I can't do it. And we're sitting in the audience going like, oh, if you only knew what I'm going through. If you only knew. The problem is we need to let people know, right? This is what Tony was saying. We need to be honest. Hey, I can't deal with this. But. God helps me through His strength, not my strength. How else does this help you? It'll help us to get to heaven because now we are really trusting in Him, not just my works. There is a peace when you know it's not based on my works. There is a rest that Hebrews talks about. There is a rest that says, I'm no longer trying to earn your love. It's a gift. Right? I'm not going to earn it. And it's you who wants to get me to heaven. And I want to join you in that regard. And there is a rest when you don't have to earn God's love. One of the biggest challenges I have, especially with my middle child, is he always feels like he's never good enough for me. So he's always resentful and angry. And I've been trying to help him understand, you don't have to earn my love. It is a gift. But if you do what is wrong, if you do what is wrong, you don't enjoy it. The love is there, but you don't enjoy it. That's the problem. But if you do what is right... You see the enjoyment of it. Tony. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 1, talks about the entertainment of angels. You know, be careful to entertain strangers, or some of the entertainment angels without knowing it. It goes on to say, uh, 
starting in verse 4, marriage should be honored by all with the marriage bed to be kept pure. But he goes on to say, uh, for God will judge the adulterer and the immoral. Keep your lives free from what the love is funny. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my help. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do? Yeah. They can kill the body, but my spirit goes to be with God. If you're a parent of a, I would say, of a, of a wayward child, you get it because you have so much love for them, they're just not enjoying it because of the choices they're making. And it's the same with us. God's love is never ending towards us. But if we're doing, if we're not following Him, if we're not seeking Him, then we just don't get to enjoy it. That's my loss, not his. Does that make sense? Even though he wants to lavish his love all over me, and he wants us to enjoy it in our meantime moments. And that's why Paul could just say, you know what? I don't like what I'm going through, but I got to do something. Let me write these letters. Let me do something while I'm sitting here in the meantime moments. And God, I don't know if this is going to make any difference in the world, but here you go. And what he did changed our lives. We're all impacted by it. I can't. God can through me. Is the beginning process of the greatest secret of learning contentment. Whether we have a lot, whether we have a little, whether our bank account is full... Or like most of us, whether our bank account is empty. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. So that we can stand up in our meantime moment and just... You understand what I'm saying about exhaling? Just... I can do this now. I can get up and do this. And you're sitting here like, Mark... I don't want to exhale. I don't want to go through this. I can't do this exactly. You can't. But God can through you. If you let Him. If you choose to let Him work through you to be loving, kind, considerate, hopeful, knowing that He has not abandoned me, knowing that He has not left me behind. And it's tough, especially it's tough when it's the situation that we brought on ourselves through a bad, bad choice. Whether it's an addiction, whether it is a major irresponsibility on our part, whether it's cheating or lying at work and we lost our job, whatever it is, it does not change the fact that God loves us. Even when we've made bad mistakes. Yes, i got to go through it. I can't do it. I can't deal with my own mistakes. But God can through me because He loves me and has forgiven me. Have you ever met somebody that's in a bad situation because of their own fault? Yeah. I know I have. I've made some. I see a lot of it, especially in business, where people say, I'm going to start this business, and for no reason at all, it failed. Now they're in debt up to here and all these other issues, and they just tried to do something. Now they're under all the stress and strain as God. I can't go through this. I can't do this. 
and yet they decide not to quit or to take it personally as if God hates them. They just realize, okay, God, we'll get through this. I can't, but you can through me. And you just... Here we go. How else do you think this has helped you or will help you as you share with your friends? What are some other thoughts? Less judgmental. How many like that? Yeah, less judgmental. Well, you know, it's your fault you're going through it. Good luck. Suck it up. You know, to be honest, you need to suffer a little bit. You deserve it. Because if you were as good as me, you wouldn't be going through this. That self-righteous attitude? Yes. Some of these people you have around you, too, because maybe you don't feel like, you know, you get the answer you want or things aren't coming back to you what you prayed for, you wish for. So the people around you, they give you, you know, more, more faith than that. Surround yourself with people who are trying to do the right thing versus people like, yeah, why don't you quit like me? Come on, let's go drinking. Come on. Let's go. Yeah, I'd rather, at least I'm not alone. Then you wake up the next morning like, this is worse. Not better. Be around people that says, look, I'm like you. I'm, I struggle with good and evil just like you. I just have learned to give it to God and realize that what's going on, God's taking care of the big stuff and He asked me to be faithful in the little stuff to go through this. So even though I want to quit on my marriage, even though I want to quit on my kids, even though I want to quit on my job, even though I want to quit, I'm not. I'm going to go, God, I can't be the parent that I thought I should be, but you can through me to be loving and kind. <sighs> okay, i got to have that conversation with this child. i got to have the conversation with my spouse. i got to have the conversation with my boss. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust in you. Because I want you to work through me. That's life changing. Especially at work. When you want to go to your boss and say, let me tell you everything you're doing wrong. Kind of like what we like to do at church. Alright, elder, minister, let me tell you all the things you're doing wrong. As if they don't know. (laughs) We know. We know! It's just that God, help me, you know. I can't, am I going to lead all these people? I can't, but... God, you can through me and make that difference. Does that make sense? Now we're at the point where we're going to talk about the last two weeks. We're going to talk about what Tony talked about. Okay, God, how can you now use what I've been through to bless others and bless me in a way that I thought I could never be blessed through this meantime moment? And that's what we're going to look at the next two weeks. I know a lot of you are going to be traveling have safe travels. This will be recorded. I've got two more weeks left, and then after two more weeks, um, I'll be back uh, with Overland Park Church. But I really have, and if you're on vacation and traveling in the next two weeks, I just want to say that I really appreciate, and I continue to reinforce what I need to learn by teaching these classes. So I, I do it more for me than I do it for you, because it reminds me of what I have in Christ, and it reminds me that I'm not alone, and it reminds me of His grace that far outweighs all the struggles that I go through. So, thank you very much. Let's bow for a prayer.